Welcome to Ethical Quandaries and Far North Tokers joint podcast. We're very excited to be here. I'm Jessica Veltra. This is Denise Thompson. And who do we have on the line? Toker. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And actually, it was funny because you were the one who kind of were the impetus behind us getting a podcast. You really encouraged maybe like highly encourage us to do it and so thank you for that and you've been helping us with some technical support and questions along the way so yes thank you very much (laughs) you caught me at a time when i was very excited there's there's waves as you guys know yeah (laughs) times when it's hard to do and times when it's easy to do you caught me at a good time (laughs) it's fun watching you guys go too (laughs) i mean our podcasts are very different Mm -hmm. but i think a lot of questions kind of overlap and so we thought you'd be an amazing guest to have on our show yeah and we've actually even had people request this topic and you are kind of an expert uh (laughs) (laughs) do you consider yourself an expert an expert on what on cannabis sure yeah no no it's such a deep ocean right i mean how can you be any kind of expert in anything i know a lot about it that is for sure I've been consuming for, I guess, going up on 30 years now. Definitely did not have any experience of what I was doing in the beginning. I think the first time I towed by myself was with leaves, pulling off leaves off a plant, not even knowing what I was doing. Oh. So we've come a long way. Come a long way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so speaking of how you started, how were you raised around the idea of cannabis use? Well, I grew up in the Nancy Reagan era of Just Say No. Mm-hmm. So it was hardcore. We were dealing with the D.A.R.E. program. Mm-hmm. Or STARS, one of the two. Constant commercials coming on TV about cannabis use and seeing it. But it was also in a lot of movies that we were watching, too. It, it's funny watching movies that i watching with my kids now and going back and going, wow, they're smoking a joint on the beach. <laughs> the beginning of Jaws. <laughs> you know? Oh, so no kidding. Kids, it's in so many movies that <laughs> if you're not a part of the culture, you just miss it. <laughs> and I remember my dad waking me up, bringing me downstairs to watch Cheech and Chong up in smoke. <laughs> he is never consumed, but he just thought that movie was so funny. <laughs> Parents against, they're completely against cannabis in the beginning. Okay. Completely bad. I was caught a few times and it was like the worst thing that I could ever have done. Mm-hmm. At that point, I mean, there's definitely many worse things you can do as a human, but (laughs) as them looking at me, they couldn't believe their son was consuming cannabis, which that was hurtful too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what did you think about it then and how have you changed now? Well, I mean, obviously you've changed from picking leaves off of the plant. (laughs) (laughs) There definitely was a time I I grew up playing football, baseball, and in high school there's a lot of alcohol around that parties i find myself i would separate myself and i'd be outside smoking a bowl Mm. while the rest of the team is inside getting plastered drunk and not that i didn't get plastered drunk but a lot of times i found myself pulling away from that Mm -hmm. i didn't necessarily know why but now i hardly drink alcohol at all only in really social situations it seems to be there and i'm not really against it but 
just have stopped alcohol a lot. And in the change, it's I've never thought in my lifetime that we would see legalization. Maybe I did. Maybe at the end. You know, at, at the end of my life, I'm an old man. And... <laughs> in your rocker. I'm old now. <laughs> we would never no, say I... that. No, never. I, I never thought it would get here. And then all of a sudden, Colorado and Washington is legalizing. And we're in Alaska and it was decriminalized a little bit. Privacy mm-hmm. is just a beautiful thing here in Alaska. Right. Well, all of a sudden, it's legal. And with us, we grew up, and it was... It was decriminalized. Yeah. Private use. They couldn't come in your house and like search for it. That was the kind of thing. So when I was a kid, I didn't think about it really at all. I mean, like it's it's not in your world. Yeah. But I mean, I knew people who did it. Right. And I I think that actually like it was interesting to me because I listened to a podcast recently, like somebody interviewing people on the street saying, what does 420 mean? And like half the population didn't know. And I was like, I knew that and I was super sheltered. So I think that Alaska had a much looser pot culture than other places but then of course it went and then i think it went really probably i would say when i entered into middle school was Mm -hmm. when it that was probably when was the year mid when was the year that it was criminalized that it was criminalized again early 90s yeah Mm -hmm. um i would say 1990 89 so that would have that would have been when i was entering middle school and i remember that becoming like a really after that it becoming like a really bad thing Mm mm-hmm in my life. Right, a lot of money was put into the advertising of it and Mothers Against Drunk Driving. And it also applied to, what are they, under the influence. Uh, it went to other things. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of money coming into the state to recriminalize cannabis from all kinds of places. So from outside sources. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big thing here too, is like outside interests tend to change our policies and it's not cool, but <laughs> yeah. When you throw big money into a situation where there's not a lot of people, mm-hmm. and not a lot of people vote, mm-hmm. we have low voter turnout, and you can sway it easily. Yep. So, what are your ethics generally? What do you base your ethics on? Wow, where do, where do you get ethics? Right. <laughs> uh, some people get it from the law. Mm-hmm. They don't want to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Some people have that conscience, that Jiminy Cricket. Sitting on your side, maybe sometimes the the evil cricket talks a little bit too loud. <laughs> evil uh, cricket. <laughs> where do you have ethics from? Your parents teach you. Mm-hmm. There's some things that you don't even need to be taught. Yep. Right. Yeah, for sure. You just look at it and say, "Whoa!" That every human on Earth sees that some things are wrong, mm-hmm. and those humans that are going against that act are really cast out. Right. So, in the beginning, ethics. We should define what that is, right? What is it? Kind of like, so So, in our definition is like whether or not something, an act is right or wrong. And it could be based on situations. So we, we talk. Or basically based on the way you were raised, raised or, or your culture. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, in law, we, like, we base our ethics on the idea if an act brings you closer to others or like your relationships, it strengthens your relationship with others or it strengthens your relationship with God, then it's okay. And so that's why it kind of gets into situational ethics because like, for example, like if one person drinks a glass of wine with a friend, that brings them closer to that friend and they are having a good conversation and it it's, it strengthens that relationship. Whereas an alcoholic, if they drink, that wrecks their relationship because they're putting the alcohol before the relationship so that's where we kind of get our the ethics. quandaries mm-hmm. basically yeah. you mm-hmm. have that it's not the glass of wine right mm-hmm. nope it's not the act of drinking it's whether or not 
it brings you closer to somebody or separates you from somebody. And that's just an example. Intention, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, intention. Yeah, exactly. Are you helping or are you hurting mm-hmm. in that situation? Yeah, yeah. It's easy for us to look at any question through the lens of those two things and usually come up with what we feel like is an ethical conclusion. But we, you know, talk to our friend Angie and she has a different way of looking at things. She looks at it, if you know, it's kind of more of a social animal thing is if it helps the community because she's an atheist and so she looks at it differently and so we understand like everybody looks at things differently so sure right and hopefully it's everyone helping or hurting being a positive versus a negative Mm -hmm. experience right right are definitely people that like to watch the world burn (laughs) for sure (laughs) we've we've noticed that lately (laughs) and thinking about this ethics i was thinking about mlk jr and he's got that quote if a law is unjust you know, it's, it's the obligation to disobey it. Mm-hmm. You know, it. We have to do these things. And my younger life, I just completely disobeyed the law mm-hmm. in consuming cannabis. And I think that makes general criminals out of all cannabis consumers mm-hmm. where it's not legal. Right. So that sets a certain mind frame where you have to hide it and you start to become paranoid based on uh, things that shouldn't happen. You know, right now in legalization, it's not as paranoid feeling anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, and you don't have to worry about hiding it. You don't have to worry about it being around. Right. And and with the legalization in some states and then not other states, someone can be in Alaska and they can be not a criminal and be in another state and be looked at as a criminal. Mm -hmm. And that to me is that to me is crazy. Yeah. And so we talked, we talked in a previous podcast about Jeff Sessions and how he said, you know, we need to follow the law and how we talked about, you know, unjust laws we need to break. And Jeff Sessions, we like to bring him up, but his, one of his (laughs) (laughs) great quotes is that good people don't smoke marijuana. Yes, that's a quote from him. Mm -hmm. And he's like a big anti, you know, legalization person. So why do you feel like it is... Well, first of all... Okay, go for it. First of all, do you think he his quote is correct? Oh, gosh. Me? No. <laughs> well, I was asking mid, but Okay, yeah. Your opinion, too. That's where he gets his support from, though, you know? He draws that beat and mm. people follow it. He's from a place where for-profit prisons, mm. where you don't put good people in jail, right? Right. You put bad oh. people in jail. <laughs> and so if, if there are good people that are consuming cannabis and getting thrown in jail, that's bad. We can't have that. So now these people that are consuming cannabis are bad, mm-hmm. bad people. That makes sense. Um, yeah, because you also want your voters to think this won't happen to you. It only sure. happens to bad people. It only happens to bad people. Fear cells. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So Jeff Sessions, completely against Jeff Sessions. <laughs> but I, I think one of the things you're touching on, follow the law. Mm-hmm. And it's against the law federally. Mm-hmm. So does he have an obligation to follow that? In some ways, I feel he does have an obligation to follow that. In other ways, he's the head cop of our country, and he determines what's important, Mm -hmm. right? Right. So where is he going to put resources? He should not be putting him into fighting medical dispensaries, (laughs) different laws that are happening, you know, as the states. That's what's the beautiful thing about federalism. We can, and our republic, get to decide how we want to live based on different laws. Exactly. And I actually think that his stance may be completely unethical, uh, especially when it comes to medical marijuana, because in the fact that it's a Schedule One drug, which is 
based off of fear and completely inaccurate deciding on what level this drug is. And it's also based off of some racist history. It is a Schedule One drug, which means that it's not seen as something that has any medical use and is highly addictive or high potential for abuse. It's actually higher than Oxycontin or Vicodin, which, you know, as we know, are, are highly addictive. And You mean it's higher on this list? It's higher on the list, yes. Okay. Yeah, you're not stating No, okay. I'm not saying it's high, more highly addictive, chemically addictive. I don't think it is. And people overdose on Vicodin and Oxycontin, and you can't really overdose on marijuana. So... Well, you can overdose. You Your can overdose just put you to sleep. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, doesn't kill, kill you. <laughs> yeah. So because it's a Schedule One drug, it's hard to research. and Because they've classified it as, as this. As this. As, and so it's hard for scientists to research it. And that's, I think, unethical because it, it does have medical benefits. It has been seen to stop seizures in children. It is good at reducing pain. And there's other... Epilepsy, cancer. Exactly. You had a lady on who had... Was it multiple... Mask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... It, Callahan. Exactly. So we really should be studying this, and we need to know what the effects of it on breast milk or pregnancy, all of that, but we don't actually know a lot because it's hard to research. And that, that I think, is actually unethical. I think there's that unethical The fact law. that they've made it hard to research. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because it does have it's, so many medical benefits. It's insane to suggest that it has no medical qualities. To look at it anecdotally across the country, it's all over the place. Secondly, to say that it has no medical qualities is crazy. Uh-huh. I mean, we, like you said, we've got Lori Callahan with MS. With lots of people talking about using cannabis. One of the issues that will happen if you take it off Schedule 1, it becomes federally legal. I don't know if it happens immediately, mm-hmm. or it becomes much easier. Right. What it also does is takes all those insurance companies that are not paying for medical cannabis right now right. and requires them to pay for medical cannabis. Oh. Which, well, now what oh. you have, you have a whole nother system of money going away from pharmaceuticals. Ah. There's no way the pharmaceutical company is going to allow cannabis to start being paid for by insurance companies. Mm. So we've we've got a lot of things at play here, okay. and they're just ignoring it and allow the states to handle it, which is kind of chicken shit. But I'm happy I'm in Alaska. Yeah, <laughs> but that, no, that's a good point because actually, you know, cannabis is fairly easy to grow yourself, and so it's not something like an opiate oxycotton that you can't make yourself. And so people who are using it for pain management. You know, where's the money going? You, you don't have, you know, as much money going out to cannabis. And, and one of the things that you, I've noticed that you said with legalization in buying it, we, you can find stuff that is specific for your issue. Oh, it is. I, I, talking with my wife about it, thinking when I would go purchase cannabis when it was illegal, I had no idea what I was purchasing. Mm-hmm. Just the people that I was buying from, they didn't know what they had. Yeah. It's not that it didn't exist. There's lots of people that were buying cannabis. They knew exactly what it was. I wasn't. I was in <laughs> unsafe situations uh-huh. in order to get it. And then when you get home, you know, just an idea of a two basic strain difference in cannabis, indica versus sativa. If I'm looking to treat my sleep needs, my insomnia, and I get home with a good sativa, 
I'm up all night. That's not mm. me. So that's a beautiful thing about legalization that I know my, I know my medicine. Now. Uh-huh. Yeah. I know what I need it for. I know what I'm looking for. I can go purchase something that I like. There's so many strains. You find what works for you. Right. And people can target things like sleep or nausea uh, or pain or, you know, that kind of thing. Exactly. So, and, and with if we could do scientific research, we could even do it better. Because now they're coming up with some strains for children with seizures that don't have that high THC level. So kids aren't getting high, but they are getting their seizure needs met. So Through legalization. Mm-hmm. And right now, all we have to do through science, we don't need big universities to do this. This is a scientific method, mm-hmm. right? You take a strain that works for you. You do some experiments with it yourself at home. You try a control that you find that you like, and you keep comparing it to that one, and you just adjust your cannabis. You use theories and hypotheses from other people, mm-hmm. and you learn. Cool. And see, maybe that, that is another reason that big pharma and scientists don't want to, like, big money doesn't want to get into it because people can do it themselves. You have control right. over it. Well, a lot of the states are going to a situation where it's only concentrates being sold. Does take it out of the person. A lot of states that are legalizing are not allowing for personal grows. Hmm. Where in Alaska, we have it. Mm-hmm. We're allowed to grow ourselves, but you'll find out that I can't do it as well as I can go buy it. Right. From someone who specializes it and has the, well, they the have time the... and the energy and the money and the resources to do it. In the room. And... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can grow my own strawberries in the backyard. I can grow my own potatoes, but I can also go buy a big bag of potatoes for $5. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like we had a garden one year, and how many potato plants did we have, Oh, Jessica? gosh, like 20, and like I got like a we, we made a potato, potato salad. salad out of that. <laughs> Would have been a hell of a lot easier just to buy a bag. Wasn't it great, though, the experience of putting a seed in the earth, growing it, pulling it from it, and consuming it? That's what it was. My first plant was nothing. I think I got a few grams off of it, <laughs> but it was so joyous. <laughs> so I made it, watched it every day, watched her grow, and grow a consumer. And I think that's a big piece of getting back to nature. Like we're talking of man-made versus nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I can go out and put up seed in the ground and it grows, it's not going to be good compared to what I can go buy in the retail. But it's going to produce cannabis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't do the same with ibuprofen yeah <laughs> no I, I can't do the same with beer I, I, I close to beer is i guess what did they say beer was invented the first day after bread <laughs> so beer, beer's been around for a long time and so is cannabis mm-hmm. the, the man made adjustments to those things i think were is where we get off a little bit so and the medical is going to try to control cannabis and make it into concentrates where it's hard for people to do on their own i mean they're talking about beer. How do you feel about, I mean, I am constantly hearing, and from cannabis, people who use cannabis, cannabis. who are pro-cannabis, they are consistently comparing alcohol and cannabis. Mm -hmm. Like, you want on-site consumption. You know, I want on-site consumption because the brewery down the street has on-site consumption. And so there's so much comparison. And then I've heard other pro-cannabis activists saying, this is crap. We need to stop comparing it it's nothing it's not the same it's like apples and oranges like how do you feel about that how do you feel about this comparison because they are using it as an ethical comparison like as a community we are accepting all of this alcohol Mm -hmm. consumption but we're not accepting and i you know when people are like oh well 
what do we do about this marijuana legalization? How are we going to work with it? I'm like, it's exactly the same as alcohol. If you give your kid a beer, you know, five, it's a dangerous situation that's going to be, if you expose your child to alcohol, it's a dangerous situation. If you are drunk and you can't function and you can't parent, then it's a dangerous situation. But if you get a babysitter and go out, and drink. You can drink. And you can drink and have some a sober caregiver and you're not exposing your child to it, then so it's, So in just in your line of work, mm-hmm, Jessica, it, it's, it's the considered same. the same. Yeah. You, if your kids aren't exposed to the 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 smoke and the the THC and they've got a sober caregiver, then it's the same. But yeah. Yeah. That's the same. I guess the question is how do you see it the same or different? Uh, there's a few ways we can approach this. One, it's an easy argument for the public to wrap their minds around. Uh We already have alcohol consumption that is considered a vice. Let's allow cannabis consumption, which some consider a vice. It's easy to say this object is free, so why not this be free also? It's similar. Uh We should be past that now. It's legal. This idea of regulating it like alcohol, they're two different things. Alcohol harms, cannabis heals. There is no instance of death recorded of consuming cannabis. Mm -hmm. There's things that you do afterwards that might kill you with edibles and maybe jumping off buildings and things, you know? I'll use a comedian, uh, Bill Hicks. (laughs) If you think you can fly, try it from the ground first. (laughs) (laughs) So that's that's good. Let those people go. (laughs) Alcohol, what is it? I was reading a report just last month. CNN posted something. Global Burden of Disease Collaboration. They pulled together 1,300 studies. It's the leading cause of death, alcohol, 15 to 49-year-olds, 2016, 1 in 10 deaths. All ages of people, you know, 3 million people. Cancer, cardiovascular issues, infectious diseases, tuberculosis, traffic accidents, uh, suicide. What? You don't hear those about cannabis. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a great way to start the discussion in states that do not have legal cannabis. To say it's logic. Uh-huh. A is like B. A is treated this way, so we need to treat B this way. But now, now we're past it. We have to kill some of the stigma that goes with cannabis. But we were talking earlier about ethical issues mm-hmm. and helping or harming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you had any other ethical issues that you've come across with uh, cannabis. Like, so, what? yeah. <laughs> so what are a few ethical What's... issues that you've dealt with in your in your own life where you've had to kind of either make that decision or you've seen someone else make that decision? Sure. Well, it's part of my life and ethical decisions come up in your daily life, right? And it's a commodity that people want. So it becomes aspects of greed. Mm. You know, what? It's something that I, that I like that makes me feel better. Maybe this person doesn't need it as much as I do or something like that. One of my early ideas in the black market, I was purchasing cannabis to sell to other people. When I bought it from the person I was buying it from, it was full of mold and Ugh. seeds. And I looked at him and I'd been dealing with him for a while and I just couldn't believe he was giving it to me. And I, like I said, I wasn't an expert, still not an expert, but I would know what mold was like right now. <laughs> that did not look good. I can't take this. And he looks at me and he says, well, that's, that's what I got. I got to give it to you. Oh no. <laughs> now I've got to take this. Ugh. And give it to someone else. And this was, my money's already gone. Mm. It's not like where I have a decision to say, um, no, I don't want that. I'm not going to purchase that. Yeah. Which reminds me later, let's get into retails, purchasing inferior product and then selling it to the community. Yeah. 
But so in, in black market, I am stuck with a bunch of moldy weed. Take it back to my community. Here you go, guys. Do you want it? This is exactly what I paid for it. They took it and loved it. I oh. couldn't. It made me sick. That they just didn't know. So I had a responsibility to probably eat that. Just eat that money and lose it uh-huh. and not pass it on to the consumer. Now we extrapolate that out to the retail uh-huh. the legal market right now. There's bugs and, and, and mold appearing on product that just gets turned into concentrates. Oh, oh okay. It goes through chemical process to alleviate that. I, I don't know. I suppose I'll trust science and says it gets all the bugs and mold out of <laughs> things. And it's it's nice to know, right? On, you cannot sell moldy weed in the legal market right now. That won't happen. Yes. We'll find seedy, disgusting weed that people are selling at discounted rates. And then it comes to the retail store and the, the retail store buys at a discounted rate and sells it at another discounted rate. And people buy it and love it. Well, There's all different kinds of consumers. And yeah, and I think that that, that happens even, I mean, I'm going to go back to something that I've seen with fish. I worked at a cannery in college, and the crappiest fish would be bought by these really nice restaurants and passed off, and all of the tourists would be loving their fish and chips. You know, oh, such good halibut. But you knew that it was crap. And it was full of worms. Uh-huh. So I can see where that is going to happen with, it, with, re- yeah. with greed mm-hmm. no matter what. Mm-hmm. It applies everywhere, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It kind of, a, yeah. It's another object. It's variable in the same situation. You can you can apply everything to it. That how about how about sloth? And we'll go to these, these deadly sins. <laughs> <laughs> so we started with greed and now going to sloth. <laughs> right. You could consume cannabis all day, sit around and do nothing. Mm-hmm. That is completely your choice. It's your intention, right? Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. It's the intention. What is, what is the reason that you're doing it? Do you need a day off? Do you need to escape from things around you? Or is this your daily, is this what you do? Mm -hmm. Vice, you know, virtue, Aristotle. Virtue is the midpoint between two vices. So we have just this teetotaler every once in a while, consumer cannabis, two persons sitting on the ground consuming it, two overdose every night. Mm -hmm. No, you don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be a sloth. Right. But if your intention is to disappear that day and medicate yourself heavily, sure. It's all about intention. I agree. I think it's all about intention. And yeah, and it's somebody who's zoning out every single day is not going to well, have not, good relationships. You know, they're not going to... I yeah, mean, it comes back yeah. to what we mm-hmm. what we form our ethics mm-hmm. on. It's, yeah, you're not going to have a good relationship. There's no way to, to yeah. live that way every single day of your life and have great relationships. Mm-hmm. Right. Because pretty soon no one's going to want to be in a relationship <laughs> with you. Exactly. Not just being checked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being checked out from relationships and not being a part of them. So stay tuned for next week when we continue our conversation with Mid. And our ethical product of the week is, what is it, Jessica? It's Rajanique, and it's spelled R-A-W-G-A-N-I-Q-E. And you can find it at www.rajanique.com. And it's kind of a related topic. It's hemp. And it is vegan, ethically made, sustainable, organic clothing and home products. They're sustainably made, eco-friendly, sweatshop-free, 
Clothing and home products are aimed directly at those who are chemically sensitive or simply prefer a chemical-free lifestyle, those who seek formaldehyde-free and dye-free clothing brands, and those who are ethically aware of the chemicals and human rights issues in the garment industry. Which is awesome for just a variety of people because I know I'm allergic to some man-made materials, and so hemp-made ones would be better for me personally, and that they're sustainable. Hemp grows fast. It is strong. It's durable. You're not going to have nearly as many throwaway items um, or waste. And they sell a lot of different things on here from rope to organic cotton boy shorts to shoes. I mean, yeah, there's just everything. And it's cute, cute shoes too. I like them. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, to shampoo, to, I mean, bags, pillowcases, all of that. So, I mean, you can just get a variety of products that you don't have to worry about chemicals and you don't have to worry about hurting the planet and you don't slavery. have slavery. Yeah, exploiting someone. Yeah. So, check them out online and we'll see you here next week for our continuing conversation with Mid Toker. So, thank you for joining us here at Ethical Quandaries, a podcast where we have a lot of questions, but no answers. And, and we're, we're judging you anyway. anyway. Technical support and photography by Tish Kingsley. Consultation by Mid Toker. Production music by EpidemicSound.com. Editing by me, Jessica Veldstrom. If you have an ethical quandary or a comment, you can email us at ethicalquandaries@outlook.com. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Remember, if you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. And support our work at Patreon.com.